Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 79th program in this series. In this program, I'm continuing in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. I was in these verses in the previous program. When Jesus said to his disciples, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And in the previous program, I pointed out that when you ask things of God, you probably have discovered that you don't always get what it is that you want. That when you ask him to do something, in general, he does not do what you asked. We do know that our God does respond to his people on occasion, that people ask things of him, and he does these things. They may ask for a miracle to be performed, and these miracles have happened according to legitimate testimonies that we have had throughout the centuries. So we know that our God will sometimes do whatever it is that we ask, He just does not always do whatever one of his people ask him to do. So this puts us into a situation where we might wonder, well, then what do we need to do differently? What is the criteria? And so I was speaking about this in the previous message, explaining that there are many things for us to consider, many things for us to talk about, many things that we could discuss and evaluate. And what this comes down to is that there must be some criteria of some kind that our God is using in order to decide if he is going to do whatever we ask him to do. In general, the assumption that people make is that it has to do with us. And there is little consideration for the fact that maybe our God doesn't want to do something that we ask him to do. And so what I was explaining at the end of the previous message was that the criteria, if there is any specific criteria, it is open-ended. We don't know what that criteria might be, if there is any, that has not yet been revealed. This is open-ended. And I believe that this was done intentionally, that our God left things open-ended enough so that he can decide. And we would be left in this situation of not knowing if there's anything we could do or not, not knowing what the criteria is. And this is important because he is the one who ultimately decides what he is going to do and what he's not going to do. He has the freedom to choose if he wants to participate in our requests or not. He does not need to tell us why he decides not to do what we ask. He doesn't need to tell us these things. We are not the ones who are in the place of evaluating God and determining 
if he made an acceptable decision or not. That is not our role in this relationship. So the open-endedness of this topic is important in order to emphasize the issue that our God ultimately will decide what he is going to do and what he's not going to do. And we should be thankful for this. One of the things that I mentioned in the previous program was the consequences that might result if he does what we ask. We probably have no idea what the consequences may be if he fulfills our requests. For example, through fulfilling our request, there could be the opportunity that people believe things about him that are not true. The fulfillment of the request can support bad theology, for example. And if it does, then people will not believe in God in the way that he wants to be believed in. This is an important consequence. We don't know what the effects could be if God does what we ask. But what we do know is that our God can be trusted to make the right decision. This we know. If you don't believe this, then you definitely need to go find yourself another God. Because if you can't trust him to make decisions like this, then I think you have some personal issues that need to be addressed. We do have a God who knows what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil, and he understands the consequences of the decisions that he makes. He understands the risks. He understands how other people can make decisions. He has given people the freedom to make their own decisions and how those decisions may interact with his decisions. This is important. And he is trustworthy to make good decisions with regards to the issues that are going on in the world that we are a part of. And so we must trust our God. Now, I also mentioned in the previous program that we could consider the criteria of obedience. And when I introduced the subject of obedience and the criteria of obedience, my purpose was not to say that all we need to do now is figure out how to be perfect like God. My purpose is to say that there is no way that we will fulfill the complete requirements of the law, there is no way that we will live in perfection according to the commandments of God. And so if we were to consider that in conjunction with making requests of God, well, then he would never need to fulfill any requests that we make. Because if that is criteria, if that is a condition then God will never have to do anything that we ask. And we know this is true anyway, because he is God. But under the criteria of obedience, this will be understood. This will be certain that we can have no claim before God with regards to our requests, with regards to our prayers. And I mentioned this in reference to verse 15, that if you continue to read from John chapter 14, I will begin again in verse 13, when Jesus said to his disciples, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
And then in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, verse 15, being in such close proximity to verse 14, being the verse afterwards, we could consider that these two verses are joined together, in a sense, as a dependent thought, that verse 14 depends on verse 15. That before you ask anything in God's name that you expect him to do, make sure that you are keeping all of his commandments. That could be implied here. That's a possibility. Or this could be the beginning of a new thought. Because if you read from verse 15 on, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 15 could be the condition for verse 16, not verse 15 being the condition for verse 14. In other words, verse 15 may not be the condition to fulfill verse 14. Verse 15 might be the condition for Jesus to pray to the Father to provide us with the Helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with us forever. So it could be that verse 15 is the condition of verse 14, or that it is the condition of verse 16, or it could be both, or it could be that God is saying, if you love me, keep my commandments, and while you are busy doing that, And trying to figure that out, in verse 16, this is what he's going to be doing. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. In other words, verse 15 is not a condition. It's something for us to do, to be occupied with, while Jesus is accomplishing something else that we will benefit from later on. But I will speak more about this later on. For now, I'd like to stick with the theme of conditions. Criteria, And for that, I'm not going to step into verse 15. I only wanted to mention it as a possibility because it's right there. I think a better section for us to look to is found in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark. What's important to recognize is that this is not just about what Jesus said. It's about all that he said. And there is more that he said about this topic. I'm not going to be able to do an exhaustive study, but I will turn to Mark chapter 11 in this case because it's similar enough. I think it's close enough in order for us to have a little bit more insight into this issue. Going to Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 22, it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, I'm going to pause here just for a moment. This is the end of verse 24, Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And I think you can see that verses 22 to 24 are consistent with what he said that is recorded in John chapter 14, 
verses 13 and 14. This is consistent, and it does express a lot about the subject of the criteria that I referred to in the previous program and in this one, that you can see a lot here. He says, have faith. And I explained in the previous message, it's important to recognize that we have a God, a great God, who we can have faith in, a God who we can trust, a God who we can rely on. It's not really a matter of how much faith we have in him. It's a matter of who he is, not our faith. And the idea of belief is expressed here. If we will believe, if we will only believe and not doubt in our heart, well, there will always be opportunity for doubt, and there will always be opportunity for not believing to the satisfaction of God. And so under these conditions, God would never have to do anything that we ask of him. But what I would like you to notice here is not that there are conditions that we can't meet. What I would like you to notice is that he shows that we will never be perfect, that we will never have perfect faith, that we will never have perfect belief, we will never have perfect trust. This shows us something about ourselves. And so when you pray, when you make these requests you will have an opportunity to see something more about yourself. And the more that we understand about ourselves, the more we will understand the need that we have for forgiveness, for grace and mercy. We will have a greater appreciation for the fact that we will have no hope outside of the fact that our God needs to provide us with a different covenant, that we will never make it under the old covenant. And this is an important revelation that everyone needs to come to in their lives. The discovery that they have no hope outside of God's grace and mercy. They really don't. That it's not so much about the quality of their faith or the quality of their belief. They just need to have some faith, some belief. God will work with us in the condition that we are in. He will save us in the condition that we are in. Obviously, there are some minimum standards that he will consider. But anything near perfection is definitely not going to be it. And so in these passages, he makes the offer. Whatever you say, whatever you ask for, you will have them. It will happen for you. I will do it. But then in verse 25, he goes on and he continues with this topic of prayer. In verse 22 to 24, he's talking about prayer. That's what this is. You're going to make an appeal, a request of God for these things to take place, for him to intervene in this world. So remember something else while you are praying. Verse 25, Mark chapter 11, verse 25, And whenever you stand praying, If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. In verse 25 and 26, he continues with the topic of prayer. And he places the condition 
of forgiveness into this. This is also recorded in the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Living God Ministries radio archive, you'll find the programs that were recorded on the Sermon on the Mount, where I explained in detail that the message that Jesus was giving was that there is no way that we can be as perfect as God. We would therefore need another covenant. But until the people were ready to accept another covenant, and the new covenant did not go into effect until after he died, until then, he encouraged people to follow through with a sincere pursuit of obedience to the commandments to be obedient to the Mosaic law. And in this context, the offer to respond to their prayer is an incentive to obey his commandments. So if we go back to John chapter 14 with the additional information that we can see in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 26, if we use this information and go back to John chapter 14, verses 13 through 15, 13, 14, and also consider verse 15, I think that you will see that these two sections are relatively consistent, and that with the additional information, remember what I said, it's not just about what Jesus said, it's about all that Jesus said, and this is some additional stuff that he said that is similar, close enough, in context, with what Jesus said here in the Gospel of John, that we could conclude that Jesus is offering the same thing. Jesus is making the offer that if there is something that you would like God to do for you, then just ask him, and he will do it. However, there is the criteria of obedience to his commandments. And if you fail to obey all of his commandments to his satisfaction, then he does not have to respond to what you ask of him. He might respond to what you ask of him. But again, if you consider the risk of bad theology, it could be concluded that this is confirmation that you are perfect, that you are obedient to God. And I have encountered this. I have encountered people who have made a request of God to provide a miracle He provides the miracle. He does that. And they make the assumption, well, that's it. I'm perfect. I'm right with God. There's nothing more to consider, nothing more to pursue. There's no reason for me to grow and mature anymore in my faith or to really discover more about who my God is because we're good. We're okay. That is the evidence. I have witnessed this among many people who have experienced miracles the consequence in their lives has been paralyzation. They've been paralyzed in many ways. They just don't move forward. They don't continue. They don't grow in their faith. They just live for the indulgence of their flesh, hanging on to the fact that God did a miracle in their lives, and they're just going to wait it out until they go to heaven, and then they'll see what's next. And they completely miss out on all of the opportunities that they could have had while they were here to grow and mature and to know their God more and more.
Now, I mentioned earlier that this can be an opportunity for us to see something about ourselves by what we ask and when God does not respond. When God does not do whatever it is that we ask, this can show us something about ourselves. But if he does do whatever we ask, then this is something that these people will never really see about themselves. This is an example that I can testify of personally, of a consequence, a negative consequence, of God answering someone's prayer. And so there is risk. And it doesn't mean that God will not answer people's prayers. He will. He can. And if those consequences are experienced, well, that's a risk that God took. Or through his understanding of that taking place, God went ahead and gave them what they requested anyway. Regardless of how that plays out and why, it's important for us to continue to trust our God. So an important point that I would like to make through both of these messages, the previous one and this one, is that when we ask things of him and he does what we ask or he does not do what we ask, what I would like you to see is that there is an opportunity for us to learn something about him through him fulfilling the request or not fulfilling the request. It can show us something about him and it can show us a lot about ourselves. Now, for us to see things about ourselves, we will have to have patience and we will have to be reflective about how we relate to our God and how he relates to us in return. But do not forget what he said in verse 13, that he may be glorified, that he may be known is what that really means. That what this is about is that this is about an opportunity for us to know him. So there's something else that I think should be considered when it comes to asking something of God. If we are to ask him anything, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. If we were to ask him to do anything, what should we be asking him to do? I suggest that we should ask him to show us who he is. That if we're going to ask him to do anything, we should be asking him to do what he wants to accomplish through whatever he does, which is to reveal who he is to us. And so this is one of the reasons why I try to encourage people to ask your God what Do you see? What do you see through my eyes? What do you hear through my ears? And what do you understand about the circumstances that I am witnessing here? What about asking him that? Ask him to do that. Ask him to do this, to tell you what he sees, to give you discernment, to give you understanding. Ask him to tell you how he feels. And if he will do that, consider yourself to be exceptionally privileged that your God has revealed his feelings to you. But instead, people are thinking about doing what? Moving mountains? Do you see the difference? I want you to notice the difference. This will tell you and I a lot about ourselves. 
Don't you realize that he said he wants to do things for us in order to glorify himself? So that he may be glorified, so that he may be revealed, so that he may be known? Why don't you ask him to do some things so that you can know him? That would be consistent with his objectives. That would be consistent with what Jesus has offered. So let this be an opportunity for us to understand something about ourselves and to understand something more about our God and for us to appreciate what he has done to provide us with an opportunity to know him with this kind of depth, to relate to him personally on an individual basis in this way. And when you consider this, I'm sure you can appreciate what I mean when I say very few people, when they hear about his offer to do whatever they ask, very few people will ask him to show them more about himself. But this is what he wants. He wants you to know him. And I will continue with this in the next message. Thank you for listening. This is the 79th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. And in this program, I was explaining that even though Jesus said to his disciples that he wanted them to pray and ask of God whatever they would like, and God would do it, even though he said that, that's not all that Jesus had to say about this topic. And so I spent time in this program in Mark chapter 11 to give an example of what else he had to say about this subject. And in that example, Jesus explained a condition of forgiving others or God would not forgive you. Or in this context, there's no reason for him to respond to your request. He could have a reason as to why he is not going to answer your prayer Or do whatever you ask, because you have not met the criteria of being perfect before God. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net